0: the Lord be with you I guess it's uh, not too early for me it's still August but it's not too early for me to say um, you ought to think about coming on Sunday night because it's getting crowded in here already and it's going to be a busy fall Sunday night's going great two White Sox players come on Sunday night when they're in town I'm just saying I can't get any uh can't seem to get any Cub players but we got some White Sox players um, welcome. We're glad you're here. And hey, shout out to like 30 of you from Elam Christian School back there. Hi, you guys. Glad to have you here. Sweet. Love you guys. Awesome. We're doing this lost thing, and I asked you to tweet me some stories and send me some stories about lost. Let me just show you what's going on on Twitter. Here's a couple of them along the way. On the Sandy trip, uh, which was our youth group trip, two 15-passenger vans followed GPS to McDonald's. And it was the driveway of a beautiful house. It must have been the wrong McDonald's that they were headed to. Uh, Jessica wrote, I was driving to an apartment, supposed to be in an apartment building, and my phone took me to a scary house in the middle of nowhere. Doesn't that sound like the beginning of every scary movie you've ever seen? (laughs) Um, And and you know what, Isaac, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, but dude, I just got my license and I was driving to Lockport. After two hours, I realized I was lost, Okay. (laughs) Like that woman that ended up in Croatia, man. You, you, you got to realize some time things here. Uh, some people Facebooked me some stories. Laura uh, was in Galena area for a business and she was late for an appointment and she thought she was on an on-ramp to get, you know, on an access road to get onto the highway and she wasn't and she was, ended up on a dead end on a farm road and the highway was over there and she had, according to her, two choices. She could turn around and go back and be more late Or she could drive across the cornfield in her car. And you can guess which one she did because she wrote me. She drove across the cornfield in her car, up the ramp, onto the highway, sideways because she was sliding. She said the car was so dirty when she got there you couldn't see the door handles. That's how bad it was. Uh, and my favorite was uh, was from Brad, he, he wrote his good story about being lost, he said, my my family and I were on this trip to a wonderful amusement park in California, and on the way my wife's aunt died and so did her dog, and we went a hundred yards through a closed road sign after seeing nobody in the desert for many, many hours, but we made it and it all worked out and we got to ride all the rides even though the park was closed, <laughs> hashtag Wally World. Um, it, it, It's so easy to get lost in every area of our life. And we've got the little S for the money thing because 50% of Americans say, or 50% of Americans are, according to experts, lost financially. They don't say it because sometimes you don't know when you're lost, right? I mean, that either means they don't know what they're spending, or they know they're spending more than they're making, or they're in so much consumer debt that they couldn't possibly get out of it if they wanted to. They're lost. And on top of that, we know we want to be generous people. I mean, we get to Christmas every year, and we realize unless you 're four years old, you realize it 's more blessed to give than to receive, right? I mean it always feels good to give, and you know you want to give. I love the story I read this week of Mrs. Hollis Sharp. she was an elderly woman who was out walking her poodle in california uh, and, and and you know, as a good dog owner, she had the little bag that she would put the poodle's deposits in you know as he went on this walk, and he had deposited a few things, and so she had some stuff at the bag and during their walk this one fall evening while she had this bag she got mugged and the mugger took everything including the bag she kept her sense of humor she got her arm broken in the in the process but she got her sense of kept her sense of humor cuz she told the police i only wish there would have been more in the bag <laughs> Don't you feel like that? You know, I want to be generous. I, I, I want to give more. I want to do more. But I only wish there was more. That's why Jesus talked about, uh, about money, about stewardship, about that stuff. Uh, 15%. 15% of the red letters in your Bible have to do with this. One way or the other. Why is that? Because one way or another, what we give how we manage this, all of those things speaks to our relationship with God. Jesus said it like this, For where your treasure is, your heart is also. He says it like that. Where your treasure is... (laughs) Your heart is, there they are, alright, got some coffee. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's what he says, right? So basically what that means is, if you're, uh, oops, there went my credit card. Uh, I'm going to go speak for Dave Ramsey this week. I'm not making this up. I'm speaking at devotions at Dave Ramsey's company. Please do not put this service on the internet. I do not want him to know that I have a credit card. Uh, what, what is going on here is, is your wallet is calling you a hypocrite. If your treasure and you, if your is not where it ought to be, then your wallet's calling you a hypocrite. And the problem is that even though Jesus, 42% of the parables, which I'm going to do again today, you know, 15% of what he teaches is about stewardship. When I preach it, people look at me like I'm an idiot. Like you're doing right now. Like... Dude, could we get on to the next sermon series, you know, like the Bears preseason or Pinterest, what God thinks of Pinterest, or well, well, could we do something else, you know, besides this? Well, here's the deal. I need you to know a couple of things. I am a doctor. I mean, I, I literally have an earned doctorate in religion. I didn't buy it off the internet. I am a doctor. The second thing you need to know is you're sick. Okay. <laughs> that works out well because i'm sick too as a matter of fact jesus said uh, i have not come it's not the healthy who need a doctor it's the sick that's who jesus came for we are the sick christian church welcome we're glad that you're here we're all sick but in order for you to get better you're going to have to listen to the doctor well sometimes doctors make mistakes anna you need to try twice as hard to fix them are you using your inhaler all the time go through one a week You sure you're using it right? Do I look like an idiot? No. Why don't you show me how your inhaler works? (laughs) (laughs) Okay? You feel me? All right, you you, you know, the reason that Jesus talked about this a lot is because we're, you know, we're putting the inhaler on the outside of our neck. We do not have this money thing figured out. That's why we're in the mess that we're in. According to the IRS, Americans earn twice as much now as they did in the 50s. I mean, factor in inflation, factor in everything, we have twice as much as we did back in the 50s. And giving has not increased at all. 31% of Americans give zip. The average deduction for charity is 2%. And sadly, Christians barely do better than that at 2.5%. Stats reveal, listen to this, that Americans spend 50% more on lottery tickets every year than they give to God. It's estimated that 30-40% to of Christians give regularly. If I told you that 30 to 40% of our church prayed or 30 to 40% read the Bible or 30 to 40% you know turned the other cheek, you'd expect me to preach on it every once in a while. And if 30 to 40% give regularly, then you need me to preach every once in a while. And that's especially true for me in light of the fact that here's a little tidbit, 26,500 kids die every day from preventable diseases. Now, if the church in the US tithed, which was the Old Testament principle that I believe Jesus backed up in the New Testament, we would have 180 billion extra dollars a year to give away to prevent preventable diseases in the 26,000 kids. I mean, I know some of that's the government. Some of those, you know, I'm going to Rwanda in a couple of weeks to see how it's working there because the government actually cares. And I'm very, very excited to, to tell you about that whole story. But you know what? There's a lot more we could do. The government, the United States government gives away $70 billion in aid. The the United States church could give $180 billion if we were all just doing what we ought to be doing. Got a testimony from a woman this week. uh, you know, they, they were watching the video the first week of Joy and Chris talking about getting out of debt and getting out of slavery in there, and she said this, that felt just like us, and she said it was really awesome because we were sitting with our kids, and uh, because they serve in the kids connection together, and then they worship together as a family, both ways. I love that story, and she said the ultimate moment in, I got it, and we got it, was the ultimate moment was when the offering came by, and my nine-year-old turned to me, and right before the offering said, mom, I'm really sad I didn't put the $50 bill that grandpa gave me for my birthday in my purse today because all I've got is a $10 bill in my purse and I want to give it is it okay if I give that $10 this week and I bring the $50 back next week because there are people that need it more than me she said I watched her open her purse and take her $10 out and put it in the basket and grab my hand and she smiled and needless to say there were tears in my eyes And needless to say, there were tears in mine when I read it, because this little girl gets it. And you know what you're going to say to me? I know what you're going to say to me. You're going to say, well, she's nine, man. She doesn't have any money problems. She has a dad who takes care of everything. You know what I say to that? So do you. I know you have, think you have the inhaler working really well, but let's just listen to Jesus for a minute. Let, let, he came for the sick. If we're all sick, let's listen to him. Matthew 25. Again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Now, we don't know exactly how much money this is. The NIV footnote in your Bible says a, thousand, a talent was $1,000. That's because a talent was A measurement. A talent was 90 pounds. It was 90 pounds. So if it was 90 pounds of bronze, it would have been worth a thousand dollars. If it would have been 90, uh, 90 pounds of silver, it would have been worth I don't know a hundred thousand. If it would have been 90 pounds of gold, it was a million dollars. One way or another, it was significant. That's what was important. It was significant. And he gave to each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. Okay? And the man who had received five talents went out and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the one who would received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. All right? Maybe you've heard that parable before. Let me let me, let me tell you some things about that. And, and even before I get into that, let me just say, good for the master. He planned what he was going to do with his money when he left. And I want to encourage you to do that. I said this last week. We've got a financial planning seminar for you. You can get a free will or living trust done. It's absolutely free. There's no obligation to put Parkview in your will or in your trust. Uh, my family has done it. We obviously did. There's no obligation to you. But if you want to do it, it's going on at Orland and at Lockport. We'd love for you to get signed up and this will get you the ability to have... I've got a trust all done because of these people. I didn't have to pay a thing. He thought about it first. But let me give you some observations from this parable that I think are really, really important. The first one is this. <clears throat> Everything belongs to the king. Really important that you get that. That's probably the point of the story. Everything is the king's. He, he loaned it to them and he's going to come back. What Jesus is saying is he's loaning you your stuff <clears throat> and the king is coming back. Don't forget that. Now, maybe this guy buried it because he thought, well, if the king doesn 't come back it'll be untraceable, maybe he buried it because he was really afraid, but one way or another, whether it was buried, whether it was in the bank, whether it was invested, it was still the king's okay that's really important <clears throat> so don't forget that that the, that the money that the talents that the treasures that the time that God gives you it is from God, and God owns it all here's a couple of scriptures: what do you have that you did not receive Paul said, and if you didn't receive if you received it, why do you boast as though you did not. I mean, this is coming from God. It's not yours. Moses said, remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. When David raised a big offering to build the temple for the first time, he said this. He said, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. This is the idea. It's God's stuff, and He entrusted it to you. I love having son-in-laws for a whole lot of reasons, but one is now I have a whole nother family sermon illustrations, it's really great, it's not just mine, it's somebody else's. My son-in-law, Tommy, uh, told me about his sister one day, when, when she was an early teenager, she was in an argument with her dad, and her dad, you know, finally got to the point, you know how it is, parents, when you finally get to the point where he says, listen, don't you understand that this is my room, and, and this is my house, and actually you are mine, so you you need to do what I say. So she went into our room. She was gone for a long time. She came out a little bit later with a sticker on her head that said, Property of Robert J. Carreras. Laughter. They walked in her room and she'd covered her room with everything that said stickers on it. that said, Property of Robert J. Carreras. The funny part of that is, I don't want to mention her name, but she's now the choral director at Lincoln Way North. And she has to deal with teenage girls every day. I think that's hilarious payback. We should all have stickers on our head that say, Property of God. Go home and put it on everything that you own because everything came from Him. The second thing is that the King trusts us with His gifts. Now, I can't really explain this to you because frankly, it doesn't make any sense to me. I can't imagine why God wanted to use me. I can't imagine why God would use you. I can't imagine why He would trust us. I can't imagine why He trusted the disciples in the first place. I mean, think about Jesus on His way up to heaven. Don't you think He had a prevised moment there for a second when He looked down and He realized He's not coming back until Judgment Day and He's looking down and He's realizing who He left the kingdom to. There's Peter. He just denied that He knew you. There's Doubting Thomas. His first name is Doubting. There's, there's James and John, you know. They just sent their mommy to see if they could be the president and the vice president of your corporation. These are the people you're leaving it to. Now, the, do you think you could look through history and go, wait a minute, Harlow's preaching in a mega church and Al Gore has invented the internet and people can see him all over the world. What am I doing? Do you think for a moment, every once in a while, God goes, man, I don't think this is a good idea. I left it to them. I don't know. That's what he did. He decided to build his kingdom with people like you and me. And when we use our gifts and our abilities, people get saved. His kingdom gets built. And when we don't, things don't happen. And please don't think that because you're not up here, your part is not important. Please don't think that everybody has something. Everybody has at least one talent. That's Sure, we all get different gifts, and some people have five, and some people have two, and some people have one. That's not the point. The point was God didn't say, hey, how come you didn't start with more talents? God said, the king said, how come you didn't do something with what I left you? Here's the rest of the story. After the long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, You entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. And the master said, Listen to this. I love this. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I mean, it's reward of more responsibility and of deeper relationship with the master. The man who had two talents also came and said, Master, you've entrusted me with two and I've gained two more. And as master said, same exact wording. Because it's not about, you know, it's not like you did better or worse. It's well done, good and faithful servant. Faithful with a few things. Put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one talent came. Master, I know that you're a hard man and you've harvested where you have not sown and you gather where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed? Like I have expectations? Like like I, you know, I, I want this to happen? Well, then why didn't you put my money on deposit with the bankers? So I could have got my 2% interest, for crying out loud. So that when I returned, I would have at least received something back in interest. Why didn't you do something with it? Why did you bury it? Which leads me to the third principle, which is this. Everybody's going to be judged according to how they use their gifts. Don't freak out, okay? It's not about heaven. But there is something that's going to happen here in the end. And here's a surprise for us right up front. Because if you're reading this story for the first time, you expect Jesus to be for the underdog. Don't you? I mean, aren't, don't we love the underdog story? You would think the one talent guy would be the hero, right? I mean, we love the underdog. Some of you have been loving the underdog from the north side of Chicago all of your life. Can I get an amen from you? Okay. You know what I'm saying. You just stick with him. You know, it doesn't matter. So we look at this story and we think, what would be cool? And the, you know, the, the way that this ought to go is that the one-talent guy ought to go out and work twice as hard as everybody else and get 15 talents and come back and go, look what I did, and the king ought to go, way to go, you're now the president of the world. But that's not what happens. Jesus made this story up. It's a parable. It's not a story that really happened. It's a parable. And he chose to make it be the one-talent man that failed. Why is that? I think it's because sometimes those with less tend to think somebody else is going to cover it, and they're not important. It's because most of us evaluate our abilities way lower than we should. Because the question he's going to ask us is not is not how come you don't have more. It's what did you do with what I gave you? And he gave everybody something, and we're all going to be graded. And Mother Teresa and Billy Graham have already messed up the curve, so we better get busy, right? <laughs> it's just it's just one question, and again, it doesn't affect heaven for you. And I, it's about reward in heaven. And I, I can't really tell you how it all works, but listen to the rest of the story. So, take the talent from him, it says. Take the talent from him and give to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Oh, Jesus, that's harsh, man. Why, why would it be like that? Don't you expect him to say, oh, give him another chance or you know, put him on probation or sign him up for Financial Peace University or something? No, right there. He says, you know what? You had your chance. Now, now, I don't want you to get the incorrect idea of God. The one talent man said he was afraid. I don't think the king was a hard man. And here's why. The king gave him the talent of money because he knew he could do it. I want you to understand that about God. He don't have an incorrect view of God. If you have an incorrect view of your father, it's going to mess you up. I was reading through some old stuff and found one of our old stories this week when like my my daughter who's now out in California, it was like five. Lauren was five. And they loved to play Barbies. You should have seen my basement back in the day, man. We had an entire room that was just the Barbie room. And and Denise was playing Barbies with Lauren one day. And Lauren liked to be the mommy. She always liked to be the mommy. That was her gig. I hope that stays with her because I need me some grandkids. But she loved to be the mommy. And, And she was playing the mommy. And Denise was being the kid. And they were playing Barbies, you know. And so Denise comes in with a My Little Pony. And she goes, oh, look, mommy. Well, I found a pony. Can we keep it? And Lauren always went into this high-pitched falsetto voice when she was mommy for some reason. She would always go like this, and she said, she said, oh, honey, you know what your father thinks of pets? He might kill it. That's not true. I've never killed a pet never had a cat, but I've never killed a pet. I want you to know that. It's not a fair assessment of me. If you have an incorrect view of God, an incorrect view of the Father, it's going to blow how you handle it, okay? If this guy was really afraid, then that was his problem. It's not God's problem. It's not the king's problem. The king expected you to do something. The king was not a hard man. The king was an expectant man. If the king wasn't sure that this guy could handle it, he wouldn't have entrusted it to him in the first place, There were plenty of other people in the kingdom he could have given his talent to. The Bible makes it clear that we will give an account. And, and, and everything that is given to us. And we've been given a lot. And to much is given, much is required. That's what the Bible says. Listen to the Apostle Paul. He says it this way. I, I can't really fully explain um, how this all works in heaven, but this is what he says. But each one should build with care. We build while we're here. That's why we're here. For, if no, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold and silver and costly stones, wood or wood and hay and straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, judgment day, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If you built with straw, it's going to burn up. If you built with gold, it's going to stand strong. And if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. And if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss. Yet he will be saved, even though there's only one escaping through the flames. How do you want to get into heaven? What do you want judgment day to look like for you? Whoo, just barely got in. Or do you want heaven to look like, oh, there's a line of people waiting to meet me because they're in heaven because I use what God gave me to glorify Him and to bring them into the kingdom? It's funny that uh, these are called talents. Again, that was a measurement. And somewhere along the way in the English language, we turn talent from a measurement of that to a measurement of our abilities, right? We have talent agencies now. We talk about talent. That's where we got the word somehow from that measurement. Everybody has talent. Some of you have multiple talents. Some of you have, you know, less talent. Some of you have more of one talent and less of another talent. Well, Listen, we need you to use your talent, not just your talent of money, but your talent of gifts. Take out this, uh, this form in the bulletin because I want you to see it. Every year we do this, a couple times a year, we try to get people to try something at church. All right? Just try something. The Kids Connection team, guest services, just undecided, just let me know how I can be of use around here. I want you to understand something. The building is looking awesome. It's coming along. We're going to have more room for more people. We've got a bigger parking lot already. Uh, we're one of the fastest growing churches in America. There's going to be a lot more need for you to jump in and do something. You need to understand that. We, we need you to be a part of this. So I want to encourage you to try it. Just try something. If you don't like it, we'll put you somewhere else. If it's terrible, then don't worry about it. But but I want you to fill this out, put it in the offering when it goes by, and, and tell us that you're willing to do this. And, and I want to show you something. Just, I want everybody who's a volunteer around here in some capacity, you host a small group, you work with the kids, parking lot, ushers, whatever, you serve communion, anything. If you volunteer around here in some capacity, would you stand up right now? And I want you to stay standing. I just want you to look around for a minute, okay? Just, just look around for a second, because here's, don't clap for him yet. Here's what I want you to understand. Look around. They really don't look like 10 talent people, do they? (laughs) Not that impressive. I mean, if you really look at it, there's a bunch of Unos standing around here, and, and you know that's true. they got a talent of standing in the parking lot and going like this, right? But you know what? That doesn't take a whole lot, and we don't take a whole lot. And if I'm your senior pastor, the bar's set pretty low, isn't it? Don't you get that? So this is a bunch of people who use their gift for God. What's your problem? Let's clap for them, and I want to say, what's your problem? Fill this out. We need you. Don't bury your talent, okay? And, and all of you who stood up and anybody else who wants to volunteer, I'm going to have a special commissioning prayer for you after the service is over. So don't rush on out of here. Put, put it in the offering and let us know how you can help. It's funny to me, it's funny to me that the law enforcement is using community service as a punishment now. Is that, isn't that kind of weird? I mean, it, it, it's, it's bad in some ways because we're all made to serve. That's how God made us. It's good in other ways because it makes people do something outside of themselves and you know so when my neighbor kid called me up uh, a couple days ago and said um, I need some community service I, I was like okay you know is this for school or you know no I got in trouble I said okay yeah well, you know well, what, what can we do to help you I said tell me what you did <laughs> listen to this he dressed up like a Sasquatch and he was scaring people in a (laughs) drive-in. School! You see why I didn't have boys? I would have been there with a video camera putting it on YouTube. I'm like, awesome. That is awesome. I will sign your form right now, man. I'm so happy. That is awesome, Val. I think it's great. I hope you learn a life lesson from this, Val. And that life lesson is some people don't have a sense of humor, okay? That's what it is. Holy cow. We we all need to serve. Okay, it's all good. All right. If you're hearing this parable for the first time, there's some other surprises you might be interested in. Like like you might be surprised that the five talent man got five more talents and was commended by the master, because last week the guy that got more was you know God said you're a fool, and this week the guy who got more the king said way to go come and share in my happiness. What's the difference? Well, it's really simple. The difference is the five-talent guy didn't make the money for himself. He made the money for the king. He used his talents and now he had more and the king was going to give him more and he was going to have more responsibility. But at the bottom line, at the end of the day, it was always about the king. There's nothing wrong with having a lot. There's nothing wrong with being blessed with a lot. It's what you do with it that matters. There's nothing wrong with having a little. There's not a blessing tied to either one of those things. The blessing is tied to how you use what God has given you. Got another story from a, from a lady this week uh, that she was talking to her daughter about things, and her 10 year old daughter said, You know, when I grow up, I want to be rich. And her mom had been listening to last week's sermon, and she said, Oh, I got an idea on this one. She said, Well, really, if you had a lot of money, then what? Right? Remember that Ortberg question from last week? If you had a lot of money, then what? And her daughter said, well, then Lewis, my brother, or her daughter said, then Lewis, my brother, would not have to live in a home when he's older. I could just hire someone to take care of him, and he could live with us. Lewis is a 12-year-old with severe autism. And after his school is over, it's uncertain what's going to happen in his life. I think you would all join me in praying, Lord, make Emma rich, wouldn't you? Because it's not for her, it's for somebody else. I mean, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with having ten talents. The guy gave him more. What's important is what you do with it. But this does bring up a very important point from this parable. And the point is that there is a promise connected to the way we steward our life. There's a promise connected to it. The guy who buried it got it all taken away. And the guy who used it got more. That promise is really obvious in Proverbs 3. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops, and then God's going to fill up your barns, and your vats will brim over with new wine. And whatever you want God to bless in your life, you put Him first in. If you want your family blessed, you put God first in it. If you want your career blessed, you put Him first in it. If you want your finances blessed, you put Him first in it. That's the principle of the tithe. That's the way that it's always been. He said, You bring me the first fruits." You bring me, in the Old Testament, the tithe. You bring me the first fruits and then see what happens and watch how it goes. So as it comes time to think about what you're going to do as you invest the talents in your life, two basic principles I want you to remember. The first one is this. Remember the source when you're giving. Remember where it all came from. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament said, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and increase, supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. As you give, it will be given to you, Jesus said. Remember where it all comes from. All right. Remember that He gives everything, that it doesn't belong to you, that you get to use it for 60 or 70 years. And, and, and if God says, I want 10% back, He's not saying, oh man, you got to give up 10%. He's saying, hey, guess what? I'm going to let you use 90%. God is letting you use the 90%. And it changes everything. Second thing is, remember God's guarantee. All right, This is really, really simple. Again, I'm in the New Testament. Remember this, Paul said, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. If you bury it, it's going to be gone. If you use it, whoever sows generously will reap generously. This is what's going to happen. And when you do this, when you sow generously, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's God's guarantee. God is going to take care of you. God says, let's have a little contest and see who can give more. And he's always going to win. Where your treasure is, your heart is. God says that, that this is what's going to reveal what's going on inside of here. Maybe we ought to get new pockets so that we could just keep it right here because this is what's going on. And if your wallet is sick, your heart is sick. And if your heart is sick, it might be time for a transplant. Rain Amanda Thompson. Um, members of Parkview at a Lockport campus, uh, three beautiful kids. Lockport's been great at rallying to take care of them. Because eight years ago, at the age of 27, Ray got a virus that attacked his heart and uh, caused his heart to become deteriorating over the years to the point where it declined to such a point that they had to put in a pacemaker and a tricked ventricular assist device so that he could even stay alive and he's been at christ hospital my friend ken lucar is the president of a wonderful place to be able to to be you know taken care of and they've done everything they could but a year ago he almost died as his heart got really really weak and they did all these things to him so that he could hopefully get his heart in such a place that he could come back and be eligible for a transplant their faith grew through the whole time. They trusted in God. Psalm 91 was their verse, said, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. He is God in whom I trust. That's what they said over and over to themselves. And when he was up to it, he would be at church and he would encourage other people. And after eight months of home, at home recently, it's been to the point where they were starting to worry whether he was going to be healthy enough, even at this point, for a heart transplant. And I was with Pastor Brian on Tuesday afternoon when he got the text, hey, they've got a heart. And you know what a mixed message that is, because that means somebody else passed away. Please sign your organ donor card for crying out loud. If you're gone, somebody needs it. I don't know what happened to the other person, probably a car accident, and the heart was a match. And on Tuesday evening, they did a heart transplant on Ray, and it went Wonderfully, and by Thursday, I was able to even get in and be with him and hang out with him for a little bit. After, I mean, six-hour surgery, but they they opened him up, they put the heart in, they hooked it up, they closed him back up again. And as I said, uh, Gavin Floyd, one of the White Sox, he's a big Sox fan, so I thought, well, let me take Gavin with me. So we got the Gavin and I got to go see him. This is Thursday afternoon. He's he's up and he's he's looking amazing, isn't he? It's awesome. He got a new heart. And I got to tell you, he was like a kid in a candy store with Gavin there because he's a big Sox fan. He was like, he told the nurses, he said, if I hold my breath, could Gavin take his mask off so we could get a better picture? It was awesome. Great illustration. Got a new heart. Now, here's, here's what's really fun. is When his daughter, who was in kindergarten at the time, goes went through our preschool program, and when she heard that Daddy was going to need a new heart, she said, um, well, when Daddy gets a new heart, Will Jesus be in that one too? Yes, he is. And by the way, there's a website for him. I mean, they're gonna to have to raise a lot of money. Raisingforray.com. If you want to help out in some way, you wanna be generous, there's a good cause for you right there, because they're gonna have a lot of bills. But it's such a great story. Cause daddy got a new heart and Jesus is still there. I'm a doctor. I just gotta ask you, how is your heart? You know what? Here, here's what it says. It says, If God is for us, who can be against us? Do you believe that? I mean, that's, that's really the truth. Is if God is for us, who can be against us? It doesn't really matter past that. Let me just stop right there and say that's the only thing that's really important. If God is with us, who can be against us? He wants everything to be good in our life. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on and it says, He who did not spare His own Son, but also gave Him up for us, how will he not also along with jesus graciously give us all things god is generous and because god is generous we should be god-hearted when we understand that everything came from him and he's going to take care of everything changes it all we're going to have communion right now and what's going to happen is there's a tray going to come by and there's two cups one inside of the other one <clears throat> Bread in the bottom, juice in the top. Just grab them both and hold them for a moment, and we'll all commune in unison. You don't have to be from Parkview. We welcome you to, to join us at the table. But what you're getting is a gift from a generous God who did not spare His own Son, but graciously gave Him for us. And he, if He gave us this gift, how will He not take care of everything else? It's time to learn to trust Him with our, own, our whole heart. It's everything you're going to need. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for those uh, who are wrestling with this right now. I know it's good for me every once in a while to read one of these parables or to think about what you've entrusted to me because it seems like every time I read this parable, there have been more talents dumped upon me. There have been more opportunities dumped upon me to be able to do more for your kingdom. And I have to have a good reminder that I'm supposed to be responsible with everything you gave me. So thank you for that. And I pray that you'll be with us as we figure out how to make that happen in our lives and that that, that you challenge us to, to know that you've given us everything comes from you and that you're going to take care of it. And as we take this bread and this juice, thank you that we get to heaven because of you and not because of how we use the talents or how we give or anything else. It's all a matter of grace. But you've called us to build on a foundation of you in gold and and stone and costly metals and things that are going to cost us something. Not just something that we threw together at the last minute. Lord, help us as we understand that. Be with us as we commune now. If there are people in this room who, who don't have you, let them know that all they need to do is turn to you right now and say, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. Forgive me for my sins. But they also need to say, I want you to be my Lord and I'm going to follow you because it doesn't work one way without the other. It's our Lord and Savior. Be with us as we do that right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Bill Hybel said he used to buy flowers. He's a pastor up at Willow Creek in Barrington. He said I used to stop on my way home every once in a while and buy flowers off of a guy for my wife that was selling them out of the trunk of his car. He said you know they they'd been in the trunk of his car for half a day. They usually I got home and I'd give them the lin and they'd last for about two hours and then they'd die. And he said I was always curious, you know, and kind of a little frustrated that she just wouldn't pull out the marching band and you know be all excited about me bringing home these flowers. So one day I asked her about it. She said, you know what, Bill, I, I know where you get these flowers. I know you throw five bucks at a guy who sells them out of the back of his car. You know, if you really want to show me that you love me, drive to Barrington, go to a legitimate flower shop, spend a few bucks more, and get me some flowers that are going to last a while that say I matter to you. And he said that's sort of what God says. Don't 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 flip me the uh, the wounded, half-dead, useless things. Don't flip me the stuff that you don't need because it says something bad to me. Be intentional, honor me. If you love me, honor me. Honor me with the first fruits. That's what it says. We're going to pass the offering now, and then we're going to worship while that's going on, and I invite you to honor the Lord with your first fruits right now. You know what? If you're not a part of this church, I I, I want to encourage you go Give, be generous to your church. If if you're not a part of any church, be generous to something, because that's what's going to help your heart. Let's pray. God, I thank you for what you do, and I thank you for all that you have left to do, and I thank you that you've chosen me and us to do it through. Help us to be faithful stewards. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.